Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we're live, guys. We got Patrick here. And we're going to get into a convo. So, Patrick and I actually met through a mutual friend, Diane Darling. So, thank you, Diane. I think you guys met at a Staples, if I'm not mistaken, and that's kind of an interesting pivot for that business where they decided to enter the, the co-working space, and I'm sure now they're thinking of ways to pivot once again because I think co-working is taking a long, hard break for a little while. Mm-hmm. Now it's about homeworking. So, uh, Pretty much. Right? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. So there's, I was kind of inspired by a conversation that I had with Patrick here and really talking about a couple of goals that he specifically has to, to be able to leverage technology, to be able to leverage Dub specifically on really growing his podcast, um, growing his viewership, uh, monetizing his efforts, monetizing general creation of, of content, you know, building relationships with guests that turn into long-term client relationships um, to fuel his, his, his business, his freelance business of providing strategy, consultation, design, branding, things like this. And, and we're going to kind of get into a very specific conversation around how he can do a lot of these things using Dub. So, um, Patrick, did I miss anything? Did I get anything wrong? Love to get the, the take on that. No, that was a fantastic professional summary of okay. what, All right. what I'm Great. trying to do. I had Better some notes. Than I could do. So. Great, Great. I had some notes here, so uh, not all of that came from memory. <laughs> Um, so the first thing I wanted to get into was this idea of the waterfall method. And this is a method that we developed actually by mistake. And it really kind of leans into this idea that we as communicators and as storytellers can speak in long form content very easily. We can, we can talk for 10 or 20 minutes mm-hmm. and, we, and with, without real problems, right? You can take pauses, yeah. you can take breaks, you can speak off, to, off the top of the dome. Uh, but when you want to speak in a really concise and specific and pithy fashion, say something in 60 seconds, get an elevator pitch out. It's actually really difficult because you have to take everything that's in your mind and you need to culminate it down into, into something almost spiritual that someone can, can understand. If it's simple, if you understand something and if you can explain it in 30 seconds, then other people can understand it. But if you can't do that, then other people are never going to be able to understand it. It takes a lot of time to do that with a brand or with a service or with a product or with an idea. It takes a long time to do that. So the waterfall method is essentially taking long form content and then converting it into short form content to fuel all your social channels. So for example, you and I are creating a long form content right now. This is going to be a 25 or 35 minute conversation and you and I are going to get some content out of this and what's really interesting about that is that that content can then be cut up and then to put on different social channels so you and I mentioned Twitter you know Instagram Facebook um, even TikTok you know Medium LinkedIn YouTube all these channels can actually get content and that can all come from a, a conversation like this right so what we always recommend for people to do is to start at the long form and then to mine the shorter form content from that. Because after the fact in post, post-production, you can go and you can cut out that snippet where you finally get, after seven minutes of talking, you finally get that drop where it's, mm-hmm. it's 
where it's, it's concise. So we always recommend people to do that, and, and that's what Dub does like on a constant basis. That's why we have you know, five to seven conversations just like this on a daily basis across our whole team, and then that's what fuels our, our social channels. Another thing that we do is we take these conversations and we turn them into, into blogs. And the way that that looks is that when you have a long form conversation like this, there's a topic that we're doing, like how to use Dub for this, or how to leverage technology for that, or how to do X, Y, and Z. And that's a blog, that's a 400 word blog or even a 4,000 word blog post. The beauty of this method is that you don't necessarily need to do the writing yourself. You can, based on listening to the thing after the fact, but what you can do is you can take this conversation and you can put it into a service like otter.ai or rev.com or even YouTube, and -hmm. you can uh, generate a transcription from that. And that transcription can then get converted into a blog post. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing an exact copy over. You know, that's not going to be great. It's, it is going to require a little bit of writing, but it is, a, it is a fantastic starting point. It's basically giving someone and some fuel to a writer that they can go trigger and create that blog post. Why do we need blog posts? Well, simple. Social media is for ephemeral, instant posting. Once it's done after 24 to 48 hours, it's gone. People don't see it anymore. Blog posts, they live forever. That's evergreen <laughs> content. That is in the same realm as YouTube, and it's so valuable, in my opinion, to, to drive evergreen content. A lot of people are focused on social, and that's great, but doing a video on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you're just going to have to continue to do it, which you should, whereas mm-hmm. blog and YouTube is the gift that keeps giving. Now, of course, on social, you get followers and people expect to hear from you, but of course, you do need that cadence. So, you know, blog, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Medium, TikTok, if you're into that. That's nine channels right there. Medium, that's 10. So, you know, let's feel all those channels because at the end of the day, we got to be omnipresent, okay? Omnichannel, dare I use that jargon. Um, so just looking at my notes here, you know, the way that we use podcasting on 4Dub and the way that, and I think that you and I actually connected through this, is we have a very specific link. In fact, we have, we have dozens here at Dub. Every person has multiple links that they use for calendar booking pages, for Zoom pages. You know, these are just short URLs that we create or they're just created right on the Dub platform. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share my screen and I'm gonna show my, my booking page. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna just dissect this and just kinda, kinda show under the hood here. So this is, this is my, my, my podcast invitation uh, page yep, right here. Yep, I recognize this. Which, which you've seen before, right? So this is just me <laughs> praying to the heavens and praying that someone will actually click on the calls to action below. And you know, here I have my multiple buttons here, which is get a free account, you know, gotta pay the bills. Um, uh, you know, when I say pay the bills, some people subscribe to Dub, some people don't. Some people use the free account, which we're totally cool with. So the free account's got some cool features. Uh, book a time with Ruben, which is this calendar integration below, and then check out episodes, which is just an external link to, I think the podcast, our podcast. Um, on Apple. So if you guys are a listener, uh, you know, all right, well, that's a dead link. So one of the things that you got to make sure is that your your URLs are intact on your pages. So I'm going to go and do some homework on this and just make sure that that's intact. Um, and then, of course, the calendar section right here is this is an integration with uh, Book Like a Boss, uh, which I which I like. Um, we also integrate with Calendly and Schedule Once and Acuity Scheduler and HubSpot and pretty much any calendar system that you can name. So 
So this is kind of a way for someone to book a time and then select that time and just be directly in my calendar. This has saved me you know, hours and hours and hours. I have one of these calendar booking pages for pretty much every aspect of my business, you know, for whether it's a sales call or whether it's a podcast recording or whether it's a strategy session or whether it's a press pitch or an investor pitch, uh, the, life, the story goes on. There's a lot of these pages that I have. So I encourage people to create a page like this and then integrate their calendar and then start to send that to people with your story on why they should book a time with you. And what you'll notice is that people, people will, will um, the, the conversion rate of your booking um, will, will increase dramatically. So um, Patrick, when you can take a, take a peek in the, in the chat there, I can send you some stuff um, sure. there as well that we can communicate with. So, okay, I'm gonna move on to another idea which is dub for storytelling, okay? So dub for storytelling is, I, I wanna just take a quick moment here and that now more than ever, what we really need to be doing is to be telling our stories. And hearing stories, I think, is what motivates people to want to connect with them, to do business with them. So, for example, when I, when I heard your story about how you were working as a mechanical engineer, and then you, you had ideas and thoughts of kind of moving over um, into the independent realm, uh, that was inspiring to me. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear that story. And that made me want to connect with you and do a podcast with you and, and do everything else, right? So I think that, you know, video is just a very powerful channel for that because we can show our human emotion and it works a lot better than text. The problem with texting and emailing is that people don't really get the nuance and the feeling of what you're saying through your text. People I often absolutely know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. So people often and I, and I want to get your take on that um, real quick. I will say that, you know, people read what they're feeling. So if they're if they're in a pissy mood, that's exactly the tone that they're going to read in. So what is your, what is your take on that, Patrick? Yeah, you said it absolutely right. I think that text tends to uh, get people to read it in a sarcastic tone. <laughs> so the amount of false sarcasm that's read in text is really, I think, misleading. And emojis were a good, um, a, a better way of dealing with that, but yet a, a still very imperfect way. And text by itself is not only monotonous, but you really just don't get the tone at all. So much of, the, of what people say, they say with their facial expressions, their tone of voice, and their body language. That's you so true. That, so. That's so true, yeah. Emojis, people, we have emojis on Dove. You can turn them on and off. And a lot of corporate people want them to be off. Like we used to yeah. get this request in our chat, how do I turn the emojis off? And we put that switch front and center. Emojis actually solve a really important problem. They were invented back in the mid-90s. This problem that they solve is that you can't read emotion. To your point, you said it perfectly right. You can't read emotion from text. Whereas an emoji is gonna show crying or smiling or laughing mm. or, or, or prayer, whatever it is. And then from that, you can at least understand you know, what the person was feeling. Like I'll respond sometimes with a one or two word answer in an email <laughs> or a text. And then I'll put an emoji just so that, and my emoji is the prayer emoji, which is namaste, which is, I yeah. see the light in you and invite you to see the light in me. That's just, I just go to that. It says prayer, and I don't like that because that this is not about prayer. This is about connecting with people. Yeah, um, I bet a lot of people misread that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you know what? You're probably right. You're probably right. But now in COVID-19, this is the new handshake. So maybe yeah. not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not the elbow bump, not the foot bump. No, no, no. The six feet away namaste, right? 
maybe in the next round of, um, of emoji updates, they'll have that. And by the way, the, the, the palette that they have of the emojis, the 120 faces or whatever, there's a lot of them. But the, the human face and, and the reality of the human is so dynamic and nuanced that you're still highly restricted by the obviously the emojis that you, that oh, yeah. you have available to you. Right? That's so, I mean, true. Yeah, That's I, true. I started using more of them too. I used to think it was kind of a dumb thing. Like, yeah. kind of, okay, this is a little bit weird. And then I just realized that, you know what? text is just so limiting i'm going to have to start using them and so i, I do have just like you have your your hands your yeah. mistake hands is your favorite i have a, a couple that i use all the time probably the, the that emoji <laughs> yeah. you know the thinking emoji a lot totally mind that's blown cool. emoji that's cool that's cool um one one of the things that i wanted to kind of show you real quickly actually someone asked us today um how we can create this is kind of a specific nuance thing you might find it interesting but Mm -hmm. I hope you do, man, because I, I really think that you should be on YouTube and I think that you've got a great personality and for you to be a quote unquote YouTuber, I think, I think the world would want to see that if you start to really vlog what you're up to and provide advice and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, thank you for saying that. Yeah. So I, do you have a YouTube channel? I do. And there's about two videos on it right now. Okay, I perfect. want to start putting on more video content. Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So, uh, I want you to pretend like we're going to take that YouTube URL of yours. And then what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to show you how to create a call to action on dub using that YouTube URL, mm -hmm. but to add a really specific thing that most, most people do not know about. Okay. So here it is how to add YouTube subscribe link or a button on dub as a call to action. So the first thing that you're going to want to do is, well, I need to share my screen. So in my screen here, I'm in the calls to action, right? So what I'm going to mm -hmm. title this is YouTube subscribe. And then the type is URL. So I'm going to paste this URL here. Okay, this is our, this is our YouTube URL, youtube.com forward slash dub app. Uh, in case people don't know, we have a daily show on YouTube called The Daily Dub. And it's a lot of fun and it's vloggy and it's informational, educational, um, edited, directed by Shannon. Uh, go take a, a peek at that. Once again, The Daily Dub on YouTube. Take a peek at that. So sub underscore confirmation, question mark sub underscore confirmation equals one. This is the magic ticket right here. So with this right here, what happens is, is that, well, first let me say subscribe on YouTube. And then what that's specifically going to do now is that it's going to allow me to have a, a button on my dub video page that allows people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And what's mm -hmm. interesting about this is that it's a, it's kind of a smart parameter because if the person is already subscribed, absolutely nothing will happen. If the person is not subscribed, then what's going to happen is that they are going to have to, uh, or they're going to have the option to, to subscribe to the channel. And that just means that it's just going to be a persistent button on top of my YouTube page, the daily dub YouTube page that people can then click on. So if you, now I'm just going to kind of give you a quick preview of what that looks like. Here we are on that dub page, that same one that I showed before. Hey, Ruben, the founder of dub. I have autoplay on, so this video autoplays. Um, and mm. then if you click on this, then what's going to happen is I'm already subscribed, so I'm not going to see anything most probably, but if you're not subscribed, then when you click on this, you will see something. And what you will see specifically is the subscribe button that happens. It's a little modal. 
It's just a little screen that happens right here that says subscribe, and then people can click on it. So mm. this is this is our favorite way to drive uh, to drive su subscribers. Um, there is an embed YouTube button that people can use, but we haven't found that that really works because people typically don't subscribe to a channel unless they can get a preview of what the content looks like and say, hey, yeah. you know what? There's some thumbnails and there's some content here, and this is not spammy, and I'm in nice colors, nice branding, whatever it is. And then at that point, of course, they click on the subscribe button. So we recommend doing this model where you actually drive the traffic to the YouTube page instead of putting some sort of an embed on a, on a WordPress page or on a website, something like this stuff. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of my take on that. But, you know, I think that's enough about the, the dub world. I, I'd love to get into a combo with you about, you know, this idea of taking a side idea or a side hustle or an ambition and then parlaying that into something kind of full-time like what do you have to do for that what what are the setup setup steps how do you get the runway going what is the infrastructure who are your first customers how do you mm -hmm. sell to people when you don't have a product yet so i'd love to kind of get into that topic with you a little bit you know I'd love sure. just starting to hear your story really okay so um let's see i i as you said before i was a mechanical engineer and I went to school uh, at Northeastern in Boston. So it was a five-year um, undergrad program with um, actually work built into it. It's called the co-op program. And so I had, when I went to high school, there was no engineering program. So it was kind of a, a little bit of an off-the-cuff decision. And you know when people are 17, 18, they have to make that career choice. They make it for kind of quick, not fully thought out reasons. And, and my main reasons were uh, it had, you know, some prestige associated with it and had a, a good economic payout, essentially. Mm. But it wasn't really, ultimately, I didn't realize that at the time, it wasn't the thing that I really wanted to do. It wasn't what actually inspired me, right? And so five years or a couple of years into it at college, I was, um, I was thinking, oh, well, you my experience so far, it's just really been, uh, it, it's been internship. So this is, this might not actually be what it's like. So, you know, I got into the real world and was, was doing uh, three years at a company. And then pretty much from the very beginning, I just said, well, I don't, I don't want to judge it right off the bat, this, this real world experience, because, uh, you know, I, I want to see what it really fully is. And I don't want to be seen as that millennial that's just leaving after six months or something like that. So three years later, or two and a half years later, I was saying to myself, I have got to find something different. It wasn't just the, the, the company that I was in. It was also sort of the, the corporate, like I just realized that I was not somebody that did good in an environment where I was being managed. I wanted to be my own independent person and to, um, to have autonomy. And so I, at first I started looking at other jobs that other, um, corporate jobs, different types of jobs that existed. I was thinking maybe if I just found a different uh, company or a different role in the company or something. And then I, I really realized that what I was looking for was so sort of unique that there, it was very unlikely that I was going to find that pre-existing, pre-packaged uh, job someplace else. So that's when I really started to build as much plan that I could and you, all you can really do is shrink the, the gap, the, the, the leap of faith as much as possible. You're, there's always going to be a leap of, of faith. Uh, it's just how much of the, the leap you have to take. You know what I mean? Like you can only plan something so much ahead of time. 
Uh, so back in June, which is, I don't know, nine months ago now, that's when I decided to leave the, the company I was in. And what I wanted to do was um, create a podcast that was sort of similar to, I would say, I wanted to emulate the Joe Rogan experience by where I wanted to have a, a platform that people could come on and have open conversation about any number of things, whatever they were into. I wanted to talk with subject matter experts, people that had something that was really important to them that they didn't have another uh, maybe avenue to talk about it. And, you know, you, I, I think I had mentioned, I'm not sure if it was recorded uh, during this podcast so far or if it was something we were talking about before, but, you know, you were talking about how you had an interest in, in, in martial arts and that kind of yeah. uh, focuses on, on the body. Right and in having um, some degree of um, of self control when it comes to that, what I wanted to do was it, the mind as well. But what I wanted to do was was talk about things that really allowed people to broaden their mind. Right, and there are just so many conversations right now that aren't being had, and, and society is changing in so many ways, and people are really stressed out and anxious and. And I was thinking to myself, how can I present a way that people can have these conversations? So that's what I've been trying to do. And the tough thing, obviously, is monetizing that. And so originally the idea was, well, let me try to just focus, not, not completely forget monetizing, but focus on getting the best content out as quickly as possible and getting people used to my content. And then I can shift towards monetizing. It's kind of the idea of like dropping off into it. So that's what I was talking about before where um, the freelance was how I was paying for my day to day. I'm not trying to get rich off the freelance, but it just allows me to pay my bills and then I can focus on the other thing as I grow on the side. So yeah. that's really the whole idea of it. Right. Well, here's, here's kind of what I did <laughs> with our podcast is you know, we, we believe in this philosophy of sales overnight, brand over time. We say that a lot. And it's very possible to, to accomplish that. A lot of people think that if you're going to go on YouTube or go create a podcast or go write stuff, that it's, it's a long haul. And a lot of people will tell you that. A lot of, most people will tell you, and they're right to a certain extent, that if you start mm -hmm. to write a book or if you start to write a podcast, don't expect to make money from that ever. I mean, maybe there's a 1% chance or a 0.01% chance that you're actually going to be able to monetize it down the yeah. line. I totally disagree with that. I think that that doesn't make any sense because right now you and I are having a conversation. You know, we're building trust. I just pitched mm -hmm. you on Dub. You just pitched me on your, some of your services, the why behind us. You know, this is, this is better than a sales call. I would do this any day of the week over a sales call, you know, mm -hmm. where it's not overly salesy and overly communicative, but rather it's about just person to person. So, a podcast and the podcast that we created, Connection Loop, you know, that's Dub's podcast, is that it's just a conversation with people that either are not yet in the Dub fam or community, they already are, or, you know, they're someone that just is relevant to the whole topic of storytelling and visual and video and marketing and sales and whatever it is that we're doing. So sure. we just kind of figured out a way to parlay all these conversations into larger brand building, but then ultimately, you know, to drive sales 
for, for Dub. But we don't do, I, at least I try not to do it in a very salesy way. I mean, if I ever, I have to kind of self-regulate. And if I ever find myself being overly salesy, there's just mm. a little voice in my head that says, stop, stop being salesy, don't sell here. That, that doesn't really work. Just yeah. provide value, show people tips and tricks, and then they can kind of figure out stuff on their own. So, but that, that model has worked really well for us. Um, in the beginning, we were doing outbound sales and outbound emails, and we just, we didn't know how to sell. I mean, it was really, it was really difficult because it was disgruntling, it was, it, was, it was depressing, you know, because you'd send all this stuff out and then you'd get really nasty emails sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, take me off your list, don't ever do this, don't ever do that. <laughs> and that really just messes with your soul, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, back to like martial arts, I've been, I've been, I've been working with a, with a master, his name is Master Sifu Ed, who's a disciple of Bruce Lee. And he, he worked with um, uh, one of the direct disciples of Bruce Lee, C.P. Jerry. And you know, he's an eighth degree black belt, very, very humble guy. Um, mm. You know, he's in his 60s now and he's, he's just a badass, but he's just, he's so humble. You know, he doesn't flaunt his stuff. He doesn't walk around with his black belt. He doesn't do that. Like he's a very chill guy and people are attracted to him. People come to him because they want wisdom and they want mm. to learn things. and. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Everyone treats him with respect. And, you know, I feel like there's this idea of, you know, demand generation, getting people to, to, to want to be attracted to you, you know, inbound marketing or, you know, pull-based marketing. And I feel like a podcast is such a way, great way to do that because we can, I hate saying thought leadership. In fact, I won't say it. <laughs> we can share our, our stories. And, you know, we can give a little bit of insight here and then people can listen in on that. And then hopefully, most importantly for me is, is really learn on how to do stuff for their business, but then also be entertained by it. What's wrong with that? Why can't we be, you know, educated and entertained at the same time? You know, I, I see myself, you know, final thing I want to say on this point is that I see myself as a student at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. every that's the most valuable thing that I get out of this is, the, is that, you know, I learn things from people. So, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's my, my biggest thing. So. I, I certainly agree with you, Ruben. It's like, and you mentioned before, it's not about the hard sell. It's not about um, just ego stroking. There's really such a, I can't even tell if it's an ancillary benefit or it's the main purpose of it, but it's like you're connecting people in a way that um, it, it, it basically allows free flow of ideas and collaboration on projects that, you know, like, if you we, we're alive at a time where people open source ideas and they have minimum viable products and everybody's kind of contributing to each other's ideas in a in a um, in a way that um, you're familiar probably with the term reciprocity. Uh, you, you know, it's like I, I'm doing this for you, and at some future point in time, you might that's do that, something. For that's me. that it's, great. That's that great album by by the Police, right? <laughs> no, that's actually synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, these ideas and, and, the, and the, you know, obviously um, you get innovation with competition and things like that, but you can have a more collaborative type competition and, and you get all these buzzwords that surround this stuff like uh, what is this synergy and stuff like that. But there, there's so much tr- actual truth to this that all these ideas, they, they become better and it's almost like sea glass tumbling 
uh, in the ocean. Like over time, it's just like the, the, the rough edges get smoothed off and you end up with really great ideas and concepts. And it's not like a losing model. You can actually um, also make money at it. I love that analogy, man. I, I used to collect, I remember when I was a kid, I, I went to the beach once and I collected rocks and broken mm -hmm. glass. And, and, and by the way, when I became certified in scuba diving with, through Patty, they, mm -hmm. they made it a mantra. They said, you know, only leave your footprint and only take the memories. <laughs> so I stopped, yeah. I stopped taking stuff from the ocean. I don't like shells and rocks and stuff. I don't take that. The only thing I try to take is memories and trash. Usually it's more trash and memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, I, what I was going to say, though, is that I remember taking some of those little pieces and going to the teacher and showing, hey, look at these cool things that I found on the beach. And she's like, those are just rocks and trash. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's something really beautiful that you can find, I think, and I love the way that you just presented that, of taking really sharp and rough and, you know, something that's a commodity but then turning it into something beautiful that, that someone might might enjoy. And I think mm. and I think that is is the raw conversation, the, the bits of information that, you know, we're sharing, for example, right now and other information that we hear, you know, right now. So and especially now, you know, more than ever, we just we need hope. You know, we need to have a piece of sharp glass that cuts us turn into a soft, beautiful, smooth glass that gives us a little bit of joy, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I think so, people recognize that whether yeah. it's uh, whether it's something that's said explicitly like that or whether it's something that they can't put words to a lot. Everybody, for the most part, instinctively, I think, recognizes that. Right. I mean, I'm, the vibe that I that I get from you is is, you know, I, I I sense balance from you, you know, and I think that that that's really important because a lot of people, they don't have balance necessarily. And I and I. Don't, I suffer from not having balance a lot in my life, and I have to take a minute to be mindful. And actually, I'm really proud of myself this morning. I, we have an extra little little tiny room, and we converted it this morning into a meditation slash mindfulness room. And I'm I'm really psyched about that because it's just a place that I can just chill and be with my thoughts. And I, I think I need a little bit more of that right now. So, mm. you know, if 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 you know if people are feeling like they need to like make that a part of their life, just create a little nook that's a part of the house. Um, even go in your car. We're not using our cars right now, right? So our cars are a great place. Just to, yeah. that's that's like a it's like a second bedroom. You know, it's a place mm -hmm. that you can just get peace and quiet and put the put the radio on, put the music on, and or meditate, or fall yeah. asleep, take a nap. So, you know, your car is all of a sudden a new. It's a, it's it's your it's your third home. It used to be Starbucks, but now it's your car. It's that retreat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm in my car, I'll, I'll do this and. I'll just be doing a call or I'll be on it. And then I see the kids come up to the window and they're like running and racing. And it's like little, little zombies that are trying to eat me. And <laughs> I always succumb to them because you can never say no to them. But <laughs> yeah. But uh, so how have you been overall sort of affected by, you know, current events and, and how are you dealing with that? And what are some of the things that you might recommend to people? Yeah. I, I mean, I have, like you said, before, um, and, and thank you for saying that. It was a great compliment. You said that um, I seemed like I had a balance to me. Like I, in general, I'm a less anxious, neurotic type of person. So that allows me to um, sort of filter better, I think. And we live at a time of such information that uh, our filters are broken. You know, we've, there, there's always been tons of information. It's just we had 
narrow filters and now our filters are just collectively kind of broken so what i've i've been handling it pretty much all right i tune out of the um the speculation the punditry of the of the network news and i pretty much i'm trying to get other people to uh, basically not only think positively but also to to do things that are productive in this time i, I keep trying to say don't just go for like the the continuous rush of, of easy entertainment like we all like netflix we all like memes right but don't spend all of your time consuming memes and netflix like this is the time that you could actually use to your advantage i mean how often do you of course i understand people who are actually you know small business owners and people who are living paycheck to paycheck that is a huge concern right now i'm not trying to paint this as everybody's equally affected by it Yeah, I just got a, I just got another call. I don't know if you can hear me right yeah. now, but basically, um, <laughs> I think that um, that we don't often have an opportunity like this in which we can decide uh, in which foisted upon us is this chance to kind of introspect. Maybe I, I, what I've said to people is put together a portfolio of, of the things that you learn, that you create, that you think all these things during quarantine and then present it like once a week or something like that do something um more productive or just think about what you want to do when this is over or have a deeper conversation with somebody who you think you know really well you find out that you don't know them as well as you thought or go explore you know minding the social distancing rules a place that you think you know very well like your hometown you probably only know 10 percent of the streets of your hometown yeah. Go explore another ten percent of the streets. So, um, do something productive. Basically, is what is is my advice to other people. Uh, don't true, just man. put yourself in front of the news, in front of the memes, in front of Netflix. Right. There and, are. Some, uh, by the way, are, yeah, go. I, I can't hear you at all. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so either uh, I'm not going to uh, to leave, but maybe there's a uh, a substitute yeah. answer here, like chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll kind of I'll kind of wrap it here. But, you know, I think there's some really interesting topics that we discussed today. You know, one of them is is just generally, you know, uh, perspective. And I think that that's what a lot of us are getting right now. It's perspective, you know, and I just encourage people to take this time to kind of reinvent yourself. And to Patrick's point, look at where you're going to be in the future, you know, two, three months from now when things are settled and then make that your ultimate goal and start to take the actions right now to accomplish that so i'll wrap it up here patrick thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and see you on the next podcast guys